Hello and welcome to the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. If you have any questions or just need some prayer, please feel free to write to us through our website at thelatterrain.org. If you wish to hear our English audio messages, they are available for free as podcasts through iTunes. Just look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under Podcasts as the Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. Many people try to find their answer in religion and something that is man-made by creating their own rules, their own standards, by trying to solve a spiritual problem with earthly and temporary answers. Earthly ideas or man-made practices will never be able to bridge the way from this world into the eternal life that God has for those that love Him. It's impossible. The Bible has always taught us, since the very beginning, that a religion or a practice of do's and don'ts is not what God is after. God created something greater. The only way that we can find forgiveness of sins and eternal life is through a relationship, more specifically, a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives. That is what makes us a new creation, the only avenue we have to find true life. Please stay with us for a few minutes as we look into what God's Word has to say about this. Let's take a moment to go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, hallowed and glorified be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you please forgive my sins and my wrongs. And I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord God, now humbly that you please guide us to your word, to your Holy Spirit, that you help us to have open minds and hearts. And help me to communicate your word clearly and effectively, O Lord, for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be reading today from Galatians chapter 6, verse 11 to 18. This is the word of the Lord. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. For now on let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. One of the main problems that the folks in Galatia had was a problem that involved legalism. What is legalism? Legalism in Christian theology is a concept that deviated from faith in Christ and that a person needs to return to fulfill the law of Moses, which included circumcision, in order to be saved. It is salvation based on following rules, some of which are man-made rules, created from those that were written in the Bible. And even more so, there is an overemphasis on those things that would be considered of lesser value, if you will, before the Lord. And the problem with legalism is that it takes away a person from the true basis of salvation. If the law of Moses didn't work back then, then it can surely not work now, especially now since Christ has been revealed to the world. The Bible is very specific in that those things that were converted into rules could never save a person. 
Salvation was always based in a personal relationship with the Lord and focusing on those things that God always stated as important. Legalism within itself is setting a false hierarchy or priority on things that were not high on God's list. And so, this is the first passage that we will see which explains to us the issue with putting the law as a means to be saved. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 tells us the following. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Galatians chapter 3 verse 10 to 11 further reiterates the point and gives us a definitive answer on why we cannot look to be justified by the works of the law. For it is written, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. The problem is that we cannot rely on ourselves or on our efforts. We cannot save ourselves. That's the point and that's the problem with legalism. And so when you base your salvation on a list of rules, on do's and don'ts, you're creating a problem for yourself because that is not what saves you. Even though you come to Christ and you're supposed to produce good works, the priority that God gives us to do, you need to always be founded on that your salvation is through grace and faith in Jesus Christ and not by the good things you do. For it is also written, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, our imperfection does not allow us to be saved. The Bible teaches very clearly that our salvation is based only in Christ and through faith in Him and because of His grace. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so here is the process or the basis of salvation. That salvation is by grace or a gift from God and that we need to put our faith in Christ as a result of that faith in Christ, not the basis for salvation. We are to do the good works we are created for in Christ Jesus. We are to walk in his ways. Basing your salvation on works and producing good works as a result of salvation are two different things. The transformation is the product of your salvation which can only be brought about through the work of the Holy Spirit, which are also things that are not law-based. Galatians chapter 5 tells us this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit that Jesus talked about for what we shall know, be known by. This is what a transformed life in Christ produces, if you will, and not something physical like circumcision or doing other things that men have put to demonstrate that they are following God. And here is where we do see God's will, God's desire manifested. The very first fruit of the Spirit mentioned is love. And let us be more specific. The law of God, or explained to us as a commandment, not because it is something that is compelled or forced, but rather as a principle, 
is exactly what Jesus said we needed to do, which has been there since the very beginning. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31 says this, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he, referring to Jesus, had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus completes the picture even more where it says this. Teacher, someone asking the Lord, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so here we should realize rather quickly that legalism puts an emphasis on things that are nowhere near God's principles and priorities. And that something like circumcision or other things were never meant to take the place of loving God and loving our neighbor. And so this is the complete picture of love and the priority of love. That we need to love God above all things, that he needs to be first place, and then our neighbor. Never the opposite. And after that love, then other things are generated through the Spirit of God. The joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that comes as part of the fruit of the Spirit. And furthermore, in order to live and walk in the Spirit as part of our faith in Christ, we need to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. We need to allow the Lord to deal with our sin. That is what starts transforming us, making us into different people. We continue being justified through Christ as we allow ourselves to be transformed, changed, and made new. Our lives can only change when we are born again in Christ. We can only receive the Holy Spirit when we are born again. We can only come to have the fruit of the Spirit when the Holy Spirit is living within our lives. Jesus explained to us how we are to be born again. John chapter 3 tells us when Jesus explained it precisely to a man that was a follower of the law, a Pharisee, where it says, There was a man of the Pharisees, his name was Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so, being born of water and the Spirit means that we need to repent and convert from all of our sins and put our faith in Jesus as the Lord of our lives. That's how we come to be transformed. This is what initiates our eternal life, the basis for our salvation. And this is where it all starts. Not in circumcision 
or in keeping the Sabbath, or in going to church, or in tithing and offering, or for women putting on a long skirt and not wearing makeup, or on being a good person, or on so many other things that people have misplaced God's priorities. They may or may not be bad things, but these clearly cannot be the means to be saved. Ultimately, our lives need to produce life, the life that only Christ can generate, and that is the new creation that we become. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Our salvation is based on faith and grace in Christ and in abiding in that faith and grace. We need to keep and make that decision even stronger in us as time goes by because this is truly God's will that we keep repenting and converting, that we continue growing through the Lordship of Jesus Christ, which is what practically and ultimately allows for us to live transformed lives by decreasing and doing those things that produce death, which is the practice of sin, and perpetuate those things that produce life, the fruit of the Spirit. This is what helps explain what Paul was telling these Galatians at the beginning as part of our key passage today, that being a new creation is what benefits us and not going back to certain things in the past. And this is the benefit that we really want and need. We need for the old things to be passed away. We need to have a new beginning. We want for the sins of our past to be forgiven, but this is also something we really need to understand as well. That if we need for our past sins to be forgiven, then it would only make sense to stop doing those things in the past and certainly try to stop doing those other things that do not let us lead transformed lives. Whether sin is in the past or the present, sin never helps anyone, whether we understand its negative impacts or not. That's why we are counseled through the word that we need to walk in the spirit so that we do not succumb to the sin that still lives within us. And finally, Paul tells us something peculiar here, that he bears the marks of the Lord Jesus in his body. This does not mean that Paul was experiencing some sort of stigmata, if you will, which is the appearance of bodily scars and wounds and pain in locations corresponding to the crucifixion wounds of Jesus Christ, such as the hands and wrists and feet. What Paul is talking about here is the persecution and hardship he had to deal with because of doing those things that are according to God's will for the spreading of the gospel. Paul gets very specific on some of the troubles and tribulations he had experienced due to his service to Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he tells us this, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, and a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches." And all of Paul's hardship was a result of two things, loving God and loving his neighbor. 
His goal, his incentive, was the salvation he found through Jesus Christ and that he had a great and eternal reward to look forward to as a result of his faithfulness and dedication. He simply endured everything he did because he loved Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, he tells us the following, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attend to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so if Paul, considering everything he had already done for the gospel of Christ, had said that he had not attained things yet and that he was pressing toward the goal, then what do you think we should be doing? That's why we're encouraged through the word to have that new start in Christ, that new beginning, and to continue abiding in that decision and looking to do everything that is involved with that decision so we can also get to what God has for those that love him. Love should be our motivation, but we can only come to understand the love we need to have if we are transformed and changed through the work of the Holy Spirit by letting go and stop doing those things that only cause damage to us and to those that surround us. So we are not saved by works, but rather we are saved for good works. The purpose doesn't save us, but however our purpose through Christ is what reveals what should have happened in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 to 4 explains to us the following. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For considering him who endured such hostility from sinners, against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And so, sin is what keeps us from running the race. Sin is what tries to ensnare us or hinder our progress forward. We know that all sin is wrong, whether we consider it little or big sin. But there is some sin in particular that causes greater consequences. And that is the sin of selfishness. Everything God teaches us involves being selfless, not selfish. For starters, loving Him above all things and loving our neighbor are external focuses or directionally away from ourselves. But we're only thinking about ourselves, about our own desires, our own goals, and our own needs. Will we ever then fulfill God's will? 
And here's where we really need to be careful because this is the snare that Satan uses as he appeals to the sin that is still within us. Satan will always tell you that thinking about yourself is not wrong. But however, we can never be self-serving. Just think, what would have happened if Jesus would have thought about his own welfare before going to the cross? What if Jesus would have said, you know, this whole thing about being persecuted, tried unjustly, mocked, beaten, and dying by being nailed to a cross is not really for me. If Christ would have thought about himself, none of us would have any hope for salvation. Now, some might say, well, that was Christ. He was God. Okay. So, what if the apostles and disciples would have thought about all of the different ways they could have avoided all of the inconveniences and trials and tribulations they had to deal with and just thought about their own well-being? What if Paul would have been selfish? Selfishness is one of the main sins that destroys our lives because when we are selfish, we're not thinking about God and we're not thinking about others and we do whatever we think is right for us. But with that mindset, you gain absolutely nothing that is eternal. If you gain anything by thinking about yourself, you will only gain something temporary, but fractured and flawed as well because this whole world is fallen and imperfect. This is the main reason why we need to lead transformed lives, why we need to live as the new creation Jesus Christ makes us so we can attain those things that can only be attained through the changing of our fallen state of mind and our self-destructive nature. As a final thought, the grace that we receive through our Lord Jesus Christ is by being completely selfless, letting go of all of our own selfish interest and sinful interest, making God the priority in our lives rather than ourselves by surrendering our lives fully and completely to him, even if we may lose our life here on earth. Jesus told us this, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? This is why it is essential. It is necessary to lead our lives as the new creation we can be through the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot depend on ourselves or on our own thoughts for justice or on our own lives. This can only happen through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can make you a new creation. The cross of Christ is the only thing that can make us a new creation. If we want to attain the eternal gift of salvation, we need to understand that there is nothing that we can do for ourselves by ourselves. It is impossible to do things in our own strength. Our flesh goes against everything the Bible tells us. There needs to be a complete change of being, a transformation, a new creation, something that is died to itself and born again through the Spirit of God. There must be divine intervention. Self-help can't do it. Science cannot do it. Where would a person even start with finding a cure for a lost soul? How can a person even begin to understand the mechanics of the eternal where we cannot even cure the common cold? Our best and only opportunity is Jesus Christ. That's why our eternity cannot be based on our actions or on our own merits. As the example we are given, circumcision is a physical process, 
that cannot save a man's soul. The foundation for eternal salvation needs to be something that is also of that realm, something that is part of the spiritual realm itself. Jesus Christ is the only being that was able to join both the spiritual realm and our physical world. He became the bridge between both to make a way so that we could cross over. He is our way maker, but the only way he can become that way maker for us is by us completely surrendering our lives to his lordship. We need to belong to him and let go of ourselves, if you will. When we're able to do that, then and only then is that the miracle of salvation occurs. And that miracle perpetuates itself even more in our lives as we abide in that faith and grace we find in Christ by doing what he tells us to do through his word, not by doing what we think is right. It can never be what we think. It always needs to be what he says. I leave this as a final thought for you. Isaiah chapter 55 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If we live by the Lord's thoughts, we will find peace, His mercy, and the grace that we so need through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, I praise you and I worship you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you for the incredible opportunity we have for a fresh start, for a new beginning, to become a new creation, O oh Lord, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you because you're looking to transform us, to change us, to make us something different and better and greater, Lord God, than we could ever think of and dream of. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and grace and because you have such great plans for each and every one of us. Help us, O oh Lord, to understand that we need to hang on to you. We need to hang on to Jesus. We need to make him effectively the Lord of our lives and that he is the one that needs to make the decisions and that we just need to obey, just do what he tells us to do. Help us, O oh Lord, to be sensitive to your will, to your ways, to your word, Lord God, to be guided by the Holy Spirit, to be able to walk in the Spirit, Lord God. Help us, O oh Lord, to be able to deny ourselves, to deny our sin within us, Lord God, and to follow you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please feel free to join us again next time as we continue looking into God's Word together. If you would like to write to us, you can do so through our website. Our web address is, again, thelatterrain.org. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.